Hello, hello, ladies, and welcome to the Liberated Woman podcast. I'm your host, Cristiano Green, and I'm a mindset coach helping women to move past rejection, doubt, and self-sabotage so they can actually get results in their life. I'm super, super excited to uh, have a great episode today because we've got a special guest, Jocelyn Herman Satio, who is a communication expert and a transformative coach. So super happy to have you with us, Jocelyn. Thanks for having me. Of course. So good to have you. I'd love to you to tell everyone a little bit about yourself so we can get started knowing who Jocelyn is. Sure. Well, I've been uh, coaching people for more than 30 years. And mm-hmm. I originally uh, started in my journey of transformation when I was 11, believe it or not, which is 45 years ago this year. And uh, it was uh, my mother who my father and mother were separated and they were going to get divorced. And then my mother did a transformative seminar back in the 70s. And she came out like a force of nature. That was my first glimpse of being unmessable with, you know, just sort of like nothing getting in her way, no circumstance she was dealing with really hooked her or threw her for a loop. And then my father participated in the same seminar a year later and they got back together. Wow. That was, and they just celebrated 65 years together this month. So, you know, yes, exactly. If it weren't for transformative seminars, I would not have the life I have. I wouldn't have the family I have, nothing. So that's when I started to participate. They had a kid's version and I did that. And, you know, when you're a child and you do something like that, it's not like a, a big, like it was this way and now it's this way. It sort of just becomes who you are. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm like choking to death. Hold on one second. Okay. Yeah. No, that's okay, Justin. I can imagine um, understanding like, yeah, like <coughs> part of your life and, and who you are, right? So it makes total sense for sure. Yeah. yeah it, different than when you're an adult and you're like dealing with a difficult situation and you do a transformative seminar and all of a sudden everything looks different. It's more like a slow boil when you're a young person. So anyway, I was always involved in it. And then uh, in my early, early 20s, I redid a transformative workshop. And I had had this dream to be a singer since I was four. But I kind of never really pursued it because in my mind, my belief was you don't do your art as your career. Right? I mean, it's like you do that as a hobby. And so I was a producer and I ran a company and I went and did the seminar to get more effectiveness in my, my job. And I saw, I had this insight. I had a memory of when I was about five years old and I was sitting in a car with my dad and he was a painter and he had stopped painting. And I noticed at five and I said, why'd you stop painting? And he said, well, you don't do your art as your career. That's where it came from. Yeah, And in that moment, I was like, and it wasn't so much that he said that because he said a lot of things to me in my life I didn't listen to, but <laughs> it's more that I said it and I said it like it was the truth. So that became like the lid on what was possible. So there I am, you know, years late, 15 years later in this seminar. And I realized, what if that's not the truth? Like, what if that is something I made up in the infinite wisdom of five? Five years old and then Mm -hmm. played it out for the rest and gathered evidence and made it more and more real. So it's just sort of loosened. And then within three weeks, I had a record deal. Wow. 
And that record went number one, which was a total dream come true. So my whole, isn't that great? So then my life at that point became about making sure that people have the ability to make their dreams come true and free themselves from whatever's messing with them from fulfilling their vision, their dreams, their goals, because I could see it was possible. And if it was possible for me, it could, it's possible for anybody. So I started coaching transformative workshops. I started leading them, designing them. I started an entertainment business for actors to support them in making their dreams come true in the entertainment industry. And I've spent, you know, over 30 years either leading transformative workshops, designing curriculums, or managing actors' careers and really fulfilling on vision in all different areas from community to individual to family to business, the whole world. Wow. Well, it sounds like you've had a really interesting career up till now. Of course, it's nowhere near ended, right? Um, <laughs> it's fantastic though. So tell me then, you, you had a number one single, like then what happened in that kind of a career that's led you to do this? Like where did it, where did it, where did that end or where did that capacity kind of reach its boiling point for you to decide that maybe that wasn't lifelong what you wanted to do? Well, I wasn't only ever just one thing. So at the time when I got the record deal, I was a producer and I was producing animated television commercials and running a company. And so I was still producing while I was in this group, Boy Crazy. Um, And then I was in the group for about five years and towards the tail end of it, which was amazing, but I really wanted to have kids and get married and I didn't want to travel so much. I mean, we were on a plane every morning at like, you know, four in the morning to go to the next city and do the morning radio show. And it was before podcasts could be pre-recorded, you know, it was live radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, And I met my husband and that was when I realized, okay, this is, this dream is complete. And now what am I creating next? So we got married and, you know, had our first child. I started my company. I all the time had been leading transformative workshops as well. So I've been doing that since I was 19. So I was, you know, parallel developing myself in lots of different areas. And that, you know, for 30 years, I uh, led what was called the forum or what is called the forum and the advanced course for a company called Landmark. And I loved that. But yeah, and I completed my life's work with them, my 30 years with them about a year and a half ago. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I was kind of like, I think I'm going to (laughs) semi-retire. Not quite, you know? And what emerged out of it, I was like, well, I mean, this is what I do. I coach people. This is what I do. So I started creating courses and doing one-on-one coaching and group coaching and offerings. And I just want to make a difference. I want as many people in the world as possible to be unmessable with and to fulfill their dreams now, not someday. There is no someday. And so many people are living like there is all of us do in some area of our life. And uh, I'm really committed to free people up from that superstition. Yeah, I love that. Free people up from that superstition. Yeah, that makes total sense for sure. So then you've been coaching people for so many years. Has that always been through Landmark or when did you like jump into it for yourself? And like, tell me how were people back receptive to those things back then? Because I can imagine, you know, like I said, your mom and dad doing something in the 70s. That's like revolutionary for back then. How was the experience of like then like, of course, you, it became second nature to you, but then how like growing a business back in time, maybe not so many people are interested in 2023 that we're in now, right? 
Yeah, I never found any kind of resistance to it, especially when I, I started. It was a lot of people in the entertainment industry. So, I mean, that was just a natural for me. And as a manager, that's your job. You coach, counsel, and advise mm -hmm. people. So I've been, you know, coaching people forever. And then I also have a nonprofit that I started, and I worked with nonprofits and leaders from different communities around the world to design their initiatives in a sustainable way. So I was working with the UN and UNICEF, and then I was, you know, the president of the PTA and the president of of my co-op board and working in the different community organizations. And so I was always in a, in a arena to make a difference. That's sort of just been the flavor of my life. And a lot, I'd say like probably 80% of the roles that I've had, had something to do with coaching and advising. So it's been a very natural progression for me. And I haven't, I mean, now there's such an appetite for coaching everybody, you know, but that's smart. If you want to be excellent in something, you get a coach. I mean, any Olympic athlete has a coach. It's not, doesn't mean you're not a high performer. High performers are the ones who are smartest to get the coaches. You know, it's like doing something on your own is silly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And so many people try to do it and, and I can be, uh, I can be victim to that in the past where I, you know, tried to do everything on my own. But I, I realized how quickly things changed. One, I got the right people supporting me and, and boom, you know, it led me to, to where I am today, which is fantastic, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, you can't see what you can't see. So a coach's job is to see what you can't see so you can tell you what you don't want to hear usually oh, so yeah. that you can elevate mm -hmm. to the level of performance that you want to elevate to in whatever area of your life, whether it's your business or your well-being or your relationships yeah. or yeah. family, whatever it is, you know, everybody's got a lid. Totally. And everyone's multifaceted as well. So like, you know, like you said, you might be smashing it in one area over here. Totally. Again, that's a lid. And But in some other area, you need some really, you know, get some support and resources for you to actually, like I said, improve it. Because again, if you don't, that could affect this lid over here. And so... Every area is impacted by every other area. And I, for myself, I have three or four coaches that I work with on an ongoing basis because I'm actually committed to fulfilling on my visions. I'm not committed to having a dream or dreaming a dream. I'm committed to fulfilling on those dreams and commitments. So, you know, there's nothing really that I'm ever like, oh no, I don't want coaching in that area. If I ever say to myself, I don't need a coach in that area, I have to check myself because it's like, okay, what do I think? I know everything and that I can see everything. I mean, I have eyes that see one way. I don't have eyes in the back of my head. So exactly. And then it's like, is that me talking? Or is that my ego talking in this moment? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So we, I know that you've, you've mentioned a few times on the podcast, unmeth with a ball. Unmessable with. Unmessable yes. with. I, <laughs> I know it's our, it's, it's not a, it's not a common word. That's one of my, my goals is to have that be a very common word. <laughs> I love that because it's just like, it's making me think about it. So can you tell everyone listening, like, what is, what, what is that about? And where did that come from? Well, I can tell you what it's not. So first of all, it's over 20 years I've been creating that world of being unmessable with. And, and a mentor of mine, who actually is a business partner of mine now, said it once on a call, just in passing, and I latched onto that word. And I was like, I love that word. That word represents a world for me. So I started to create a world around and world of distinctions around that world. But it doesn't mean being tough, and it doesn't mean being like insensitive to your feelings or pushing mm. them down or being impenetrable or anything like that. What unmessable with means is that no matter what circumstance you're dealing with, 
from the good to the bad to the ugly, no matter what someone or, or life is throwing at you, you are able to stay centered in who you are, focused on your vision and act from that space rather than react, get hooked, mm, yeah. thrown, yeah. stuck like that. Okay, nice. And so you've been formulating this over the past 20 years. And how does it show up now in, in, in how you support people in your business and how you live your life as well? Well, it's certainly the, the heart of all the work that I do with people. So any coaching that I do is designed around, first of all, what's your vision? And a lot of people aren't clear about their vision because they're so busy dealing with life. And that is what I would call the world of reaction. You're reacting to life. You're dealing with it. And by the way, very successful people are really good reactors, but that's a very different muscle than creating. Reaction and creating are two different worlds. So my work with people has them go from looking down and in at reacting and managing and dealing with life, surviving a situation or a relationship or whatever, even if it's a high level surviving, like doing really well, but still you're looking down to looking up and out at what they really want. What is the next space they're creating and what are they creating right now and right now? So it's like this muscle that's kind of over compensating and this muscle that's flaccid and sort of atrophied, I build this muscle up of creation. And a lot of that has to do with seeing what messes with them in fulfilling on what they really want or in, that has them stay in that world of just kind of dealing, getting through life, getting stuff done, but not really creating. So that's the whole methodology that I work with people inside of. Gotcha. And so then what would you say you see as like common traits or common mistakes people are making when coming to you or trying to be unmessable with? Well, I could say the common like themes of what messes with people. Is that sort of what you're asking? Yeah. 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 yeah well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of stuff that messes with people has to do with not actually being related to reality, but being related to some interpretation or story about reality. So, you know, you say X, Y, Z, and then I have a thought about what you said. Oh, that means he doesn't respect me. And now I'm interacting with that thought, not what you said. I'm interacting with what I said about what you said, which I call your reaction to people's reactions. So now you're double whammy into the world of reaction. That's yeah. a big theme, right? You can see it for yourself, yeah. right? Yeah, totally. So that hooks people. Another thing that really messes with people is money. Money is just like, you know, oh, yeah. I don't care how much you have, but you have stories about money that are Every limiting beliefs. Every person does, yeah. Every yeah. person. Yeah. And, I, you know, again, I work with, you know, all kinds of people over the years, over uh, 200,000 people I've worked with. And it is just a common denominator, no matter how much you have. So that's another thing. Another, another thing that really does mess with people is sleep. You know, not getting sufficient sufficient sleep or well your well-being, if that's not intact, it's very hard to be a high performer and really fulfill on your vision because people, you know, stop tending to like watering the tree that's bearing the fruit. So those are some of the things. But limiting beliefs, you know, well-being, money, other people saying things and you reacting to their reactions, that kind of stuff is the the common themes. There's a bunch more, but that's like the top four 
Mm, I love that. And, I, and I'd love to touch a bit more on the reactions to reactions. because Yeah, that's a big one. Many people probably don't even realize is going on at all because it's just second nature to, to so many people, right? So talk about that because it's true. Like even in like, for example, we could be in a, a conversation on this podcast. I could be asking you what what a question, but then thinking about what I want to say next. Instead of right. I'm reacting to you. So talk about how, you know, how that operates and how you help people to, you know, work through things in, in that regard. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's funny. First, you got to catch it. And it's so hard to catch because you're just on default. And that is really the mode that I try and break people out of, or I do break people out of, which is default mode versus creation mode. Because when you're on automatic, you're not even home. You're just, you know, reacting. It's all reaction. So the first thing I have people do is start to notice what happens in their body when they're in reaction mode. So maybe their chest gets tight or you start, you know, maybe overthinking is another thing that's like a red flag. So I have people identify what are the red flags to tell them, oh, wait, I'm in reaction mode so that they can catch it before they go too far down that road, that spiraling. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So they have to practice. This is a discipline and it takes, you know, it takes discipline. It takes your word and commitment. And it's kind of like, it's a muscle. So you have to work it out every day. You can't just be like, oh, now I'm just not, I'm just creating, not reacting. That's ridiculous. Of course not. You, You spend so much time reacting. It is really an overcompensating muscle. So Slowly but surely, they start to see. They can then create methodologies to stop, break free from that world, like literally shift in a moment, and then shift into what they're creating. So I work with a lot of a lot of contextual conversations, like what context are you creating for your relationship? What's your vision for this relationship that you have? So let's say it's you with me, like you said on the podcast. So if you noticed that you were overthinking or, you know, not actually being present, right, to the conversation, then if we had had a coaching conversation before, you would see that that was happening, you'd take a breath or do something physical, like maybe you'd put your hands on the physicalness breaks up craziness, okay, so you do something physical, which brings you present. And then you could all this happens in like a second, ask yourself, okay, what is my intention here with Jocelyn? What's my vision for this interview? What, you know, what do I want to leave people with? Oh, I want to leave people with impact. Okay, good. And then you'd ask a question or say something from that world. Yeah, that's true. That's like a very interesting thing. So it sounds like a lot of like awareness around being in that moment and having the reaction to the reaction. How are you good? How are you doing that? What is the, the, the physical stuff that's in your body? But then how can you then bring yourself back and really understand, like I said, the intention and then, like I said, it's the impact. Like, what can you do to to to, to draw it back? To fulfill yeah. on that. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. it's not even like understanding why you got hooked or, or messable with, because who cares? It's, it's more about being able to get to a neutral place. Now, if you just get to the neutral place, and this is the problem with most methodologies, honestly, because I've studied quite a few things over the last 35 mm-hmm. years. Um, most things, they can get you maybe to that place of peace or sort of like that moment of, nothingness. But if you don't fill that space with something you're creating, you're going to be back in the soup in two seconds. So it's like little moments of relief 
from the world of reaction, but nothing as an alternative. So that's what I think is, is really so powerful about what I do with people is I give them the opportunity to create something as an alternative route. So they don't have to keep going down the road of reaction. Mm, I see. So it's pulling you out from going down that road altogether and like allowing you to then kind of go into creation mode and go, what actual road do I want to be going down instead? Exactly. And that road, that new road that you're creating isn't paved. The one that is reaction is totally paved. It's much easier to go down. Your brain doesn't need to do anything to do that. It's it's automatic, like we're saying, yeah, default. Yeah, yeah. So it's easier. So it really does take an awareness and a discipline to carve out a new pathway where there's trees and bushes and you got to carve it and pave it. And, you know, it does, it takes more effort, but it is so worth it because that's where magic is. There's no magic in reactions. It's all in creation. And anytime you've ever created anything, which everybody has, I mean, maybe when you first started this podcast and you were creating it and you didn't really know what you were doing and you were just kind of like doing stuff and it was magical. Your even your failures were like magical, but then at some point, whatever people create sort of shifts into this world of like managing it. And now you got to book people and figure out the equipment and the whatever, you know? So now you're looking, yeah, yeah, right. Everybody has something (laughs) and it can happen with a relationship. It can happen with the business, but now you're looking down and dealing with versus up and out and creating. Mm -hmm. And that happens for every human being in multiple areas of their life. So one of the biggest things that I work on with people is being able to stay in that space of creation, even though they have things they need to manage, but how do you manage from the space of creation versus dealing with? I see. And so then how do, how do people do that then? How do people manage being in creation mode like majority of the time instead of reactionary mode? It's a total muscle. It really is. It's practice. It's Mm. practice. It's being able to see it, come up with a a pathway to that other world and just doing that over and over and over and over. And then, you know, as you develop it, you spend less and less time in that world and more and more time in this world and you're able to pivot at whim, but it is a muscle. Yeah, it makes sense. You have to be focused to, to, to use it, right? Like any muscle that you're doing, if you're in the gym, you're going and, and focusing on your, your arms. You're like, you're focused on the, the exercise you're doing. You're not just doing it on automatic. Otherwise you're not getting the results, right? Uh, until <laughs> it's natural. And then it's natural. I mean, I don't know. Did you ever see the original movie, the karate kid? Oh yes. 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 Wax on wax off. So he practiced and he disciplined his wax on, wax off, paint the fence, whatever. And then when he was in the karate match, it was all there naturally. So that's kind of the thinking behind it. So it's like you're developing new muscles, you're exercising them. And then when you're in an argument with your mother-in-law, it's right there so that you can use it to create. And that is honestly how I've developed it over the last 40 some odd years is I've just I created it, I developed it, I practiced it, and it is pretty natural to me. I mean, I spend so little time in the world of reaction now, but it still happens, stuff happens, you know, but I'm able to shift so quickly that it's almost seamless, you know, 99% of the time. Every once in a while, you know what really messes with me? This is the thing that I always just laugh about. I'm like, 
customer service, customer service. When I go to the Sprint store or the, you know, when I have to get on the phone with the airline, it's like, this is the thing where I'm like, seriously, this is what, you know, I get so irritated, but I'm totally clear. I'm in that world, you know? So if I shift out of it, I can create whatever I'm going to create with that person I'm dealing with. Cause it's all just people mostly. I mean, you know, there's other things that happen for people that they get a a health scare, let's say, you know, you get a bad mammogram or you wouldn't, but let's say a woman got a bad, you know, like some of your watchers. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So when you have a questionable mammogram that can mess with you and you start, you know, going into that world. So the question is, okay, now what are you creating right now? Cause it isn't about having perfect circumstances, being unmessable with it. Isn't that it's about being able to be powerful and free and self-expressed in the face of any circumstance that life throws at you, including health stuff or your parents. Like my mother has dementia and had a stroke or, you know, my, my daughter coming out as trans and dealing with that. Or, you know, if somebody cheats on you in business or in a personal relationship, whatever it is, how do you be powerful then? It's easy to be powerful when you win lotto and everything's great, you know? But dealing with real life, that's what I deal with. Gotcha. So then when it comes down to those that, that kind of a space, and I, I'm just saying this more for, for the listeners because I, I get it myself, sure. but um, when you say something terrible happens and people talk about being in the world of creation, how do you respond when people say, well, I didn't, I didn't create that. Like, I didn't want to create that. How was that happening for me? Like, yeah. it's like acceptance, right? So talk about how. Well, it's you know. not that really acceptance. Acceptance is more back. Like you're going back. I'm talking about creating, which moves this way. So like when my mother had the stroke, I mean, I can just take things from my personal life. It's yeah. no problem. I got plenty of stuff. Um, when she had the stroke, <laughs> you know. My immediate reaction was like, oh my God, my mom, she might die. What, you know, like all that whole world that is just right there. I mean, it's there for you as a human being. But then I kind of looked, I was like, okay, so first of all, I'm on my way now to see my mother. I may or may not catch her before if she passed. Now, my mother's still alive, and this was 17 years ago that she had the stroke, just to hand, she's going to be 92 next month. But yes, exactly. But, you know, on the train ride up there, I was like, okay, well, what am I creating here? I'm creating completion with my mom. And then I said, you know what? I am complete with my mom. I've said everything I need to say to her. She said everything to me. We know how much we love each other. There's nothing left really unsaid or undone. So there's nothing to complete. So now I can just love my mom. I'm going to create love. And I went to the hospital and and that was it. So I had a whole space to come from rather than panic and fear, which was there by default. I was coming from love and completion and miracles. So I created some miracles and I like miracles and magic. So I was going to say, so I'm sure coming from that space, allowed that, that those opportunities for the miracles and the healing to, to occur. Right. Cause there is the, Oh my God, I'm waiting. Uh, my, I know my daughter is not going to cope with this. So I, it adds more stress to me, but coming from the place of love probably allowed her to be in a space of receiving as well, you know? Well, and just, you know, we just actually, I mean, it sounds absurd, but we had fun. We're in the emergency room. There's like seven of us and they never allow this many people in the emergency room, but I was like creating magic, creating miracles. So I was like, listen, you know, and I created this whole conversation with the doctors. They let us in there. And then my mother was so funny. She said to my father, I'll never forget this so long ago. She goes, uh, I want a Tylenol. And he goes, well, you got to move your arm first. Cause she lost 
you know, being able to use her left side. She's in the hospital, like two hours after the stroke. And she's like, I'm not going to move my arm. I can't move my arm. He goes, when you move your arm, I'll give you a Tylenol. So she takes her right arm and she picks up her hand and she goes, here, I'm moving my arm. Give me the Tylenol. We're all like laughing hysterically. And the nurses are like, what is going on in that room? They're in the ER and they're laughing. But that's the kind of celebration that can happen when you're not in the world of reaction. Mm, see, and it makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So how do people normally generally come into contact with, with Jocelyn? Are you, like, tell me how you would create, like, new clients, new business, like, and also talk us a, a little bit about some of these transformative seminars or, or events that you, you generally run. Sure. I mean, well, I have my website, theartofbeingunmessablewith.com. So people find me there or social media or word of mouth, pretty much. I don't like advertise or do any anything like that. And I have uh, courses like every few months I'll do a course. I'm probably going to be rolling out an evergreen recorded version of the course that I normally lead called Creating the Foundation for Being Unmessable With in the next month or so, just so that people can do it without me having to lead it, you know, because my schedule gets a little bit busy. I have a... Yeah. Group coaching. That is like a two month program that happens after I do the course. I do group coaching and I have one-on-one coaching, which I, you know, do throughout the year. And that's, you know, very personalized and a little bit higher price ticket. Um, and then I work with my business partners that I told you about doing corporate consulting and through our company mission B, which works with companies and teams on vision driven leadership and purpose driven leadership. So really creating a new culture and business. So I try and, you know, be able to do groups, individuals, companies, that's sort of like the landscape right now. I understand. Love that. Nice. And I have some, some lower kind of price point Uh, entry points. I have workshops like a calendar workshop that I do where I support people in having it all, not doing it all. And I have, you know, a dream source discovery five-day program. And these are very, very easy to get it. I have a free promise game on my website. So I have all sorts of ways to engage with being unmessable with. I love that. It's just like, as you said, creating so many different opportunities for people to come in um, with wherever they're at, right? Totally. Mm. Nice. Awesome. So not generally I ask a lot of people who would come on to the podcast because it is called The Liberated Woman, and I'd love to get your take on it. What does liberation mean to, to you, Jocelyn, from, from a, an unmethable with kind of perspective? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what attracted me to your podcast because, you know, liberation, which is freedom for me, it's free from being messable with. And I think everybody deserves to have the kind of life where they don't have to be messable with. They don't have to get thrown. They don't have to get thwarted. They don't have to get hooked. You know, being unmessable with is like being unhookable, but it's not like you don't give a hoot. It's more like it doesn't impact you because it's not real. Most of the stuff you're reacting to isn't even real in the first place. It's just, people are just talking and you're like, oh, can you believe they said that? Whatever. They're just talking. It doesn't mean anything about you anyway. You know, it's like. It really doesn't, right? And would you say that's a big mistake that people make is like how, again, in the reactionary word, how we make everything about us, right? To- totally. I mean, I, I was coaching a couple. Oh my God, I'll never forget this. They were on the verge of divorce, right? And I was trying to get at the heart of like, what happened? Like what, when did the magic disappear, right? 
And it turned out that ongoingly for years, one of them was in charge of the laundry. I know this sounds insane, right? But this person was in char- charge of the laundry and they would not separate the wa- the whites from the colors. Like no matter how many times the partner would be like, you got to separate the white from the colors, da, da, da. They wouldn't. They just like kept mixing in the whites and the colors. So the partner just, this happened to be a same sex couple. He, he was like, obviously he doesn't love me. Obviously he does not respect me. Meaning he got, yeah, yeah. It's like, obviously he doesn't know how to do laundry. How about that? You know, it's like, this is not about his love and respect for you. It's, you know, whatever. It doesn't mean what, what, no matter what happens, it's never what happens that messes with you. It's what you make it mean. It's true. It's always about the meaning we make. It's never about what it is. It's the meaning we make, whatever it is it be, right? Including traumatic stuff. I mean, I've worked with people who were trafficked. I've worked with people who were sexually abused. I mean, like heavy stuff. It isn't what happened. It's what they made it mean about themselves or about life or about people. I can't trust people. That's what's imprisoning them. You want to be liberated. Liberate yourself from your meanings. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love that way to end it. We have to liberate ourselves from our meanings, which is going to give us freedom to become more unmessable with. There you go. (laughs) That's right. Developing the muscle. Developing the muscle. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you being on here today, Jocelyn, sharing sharing your journey and and exactly how people can become unmessable with. So I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for the conversation. Beautiful. Um, appreciate everyone for listening. Of course, if you've got comments, questions, you can do it in the comments below. Or you can reach out to me or Jocelyn on social media. So Jocelyn, they can find you just by searching Jocelyn Herman Satio. Satio or be unmessable with on Instagram. Perfect. Be unmessable with on Instagram. Awesome. Well, appreciate you ladies for listening and we'll catch you next week with another episode of the Liberated Woman podcast. Until then, bye for now.